Welcome to the CXR channel, our premier podcast for talent acquisition and talent management. Listen in as the CXR community discusses a wide range of topics focused on attracting, engaging, and retaining the best talent. We're glad you're here. So I met Roy, uh, I think when he was still at Smart Recruiters, and but but this this whole jobs for humanity thing I think was just really starting to take off. Uh, so so Roy, why don't you why don't you give us kind of an escalator pitch for those who may not know who you are? Why don't you why don't you kind of tell us who is Roy and and why should we be paying attention to Roy today? And then I think we we kind of jump in because you're doing some really cool stuff, and I think we should talk about it. Dude, thank you. Uh, like the, the who is Roy part, I don't like talking too much about myself, so I'm just going to stick to facts. Um, I was uh, raised in Lebanon, moved to the U.S. when I was 17 years old, uh, went to Virginia Tech, and then spent the next 20 years um, in the U.S., mostly in recruitment tech. Uh, had a first startup called FreshCrad to help people identify what is the right uh, career path for you based on your natural skills and interests. Uh, failed at that four years later. Uh, but then that really got me into smart recruiters because I used my own algorithm to tell me what are the best jobs for me. Um, and uh, joined smart recruiters at the seed stage, pre-revenue, and uh, saw it grow uh, all the way to where it is today, uh, an extraordinary product, to be honest, uh, and uh, helped build the product, the marketplace, the conferences. While building the conferences, uh, hiring success grew to uh, few thousand people, multi-day conferences. And I deep dove into what diversity and inclusion means, really diving into people from all walks of life. So I got to volunteer in prisons for 15 to 20 days at Pelican Bay State Prison. Wow. Um, got to see men get rehabilitated from it. Um, got to work with Lighthouse for the Blind uh, and spend time there to, to, to get a sense of um, really that invisible divide uh, that, that, that we don't realize that, you know, one in 25 people on earth have low vision, uh, or are blind, uh, yet, you know, I'd be hard pressed to find anyone who's fully sighted who, who 4% of their friends are blind. Uh, so there is that big divide, even though that the, the lighthouse for the blind is on, you know, in San Francisco, some market and seventh, like it's smack in the middle of, you know, civic center. Uh, but people don't know it and they don't end up seeing it, even though once you pay attention, you start seeing blind people walking all, all over. But, uh, and so the idea was, how can you get them jobs and people from all walks of life, um, returning citizens, blinds, refugees, single parents, the, uh, the elderly, um, the neurodivergent. And so that's what jobs for humanity is. It's an expression of, uh, it's a, basically a, an employment platform where any employer can post jobs or we can post their jobs on the platform as long as, and Jerry harps on it, Chris harps on it, there's a code of conduct where you are going to give a good candidate experience and you're going to get back to candidates. If you yeah. do, you're welcome. If you don't, never mind. Um, and, uh, and then where job seekers can come in and feel safe and know that, hey, these are jobs where I have been pre-welcomed, that I can apply, and then comes the part where you connect the two. Uh, yes, there is, you know, a matching algorithm that can go based on skills, but there's a lot, there's, there's an efficient practical training that employers 
could get could be given in an hour to be honest and then applied over a couple of hours where they come and train people yes it's that simple you can literally give diversity hiring training everything through the talent acquisition funnel and fair onboarding with enough adequate information so that you can create a safe space within an hour but then in comes through one ear out through the other if you don't practice it then you're going to forget it so that's where then we pair you with a couple of job seekers in your field of work in your city so that you can practice what you just learned and internalize everything and from there so you know, let me make sure i'm hearing you right so you're talking about a one-hour training session that will establish a baseline right a level set of minimum requirement to deliver an adequate if not favorable candidate experience and improve E&I hiring initiatives. We yes. see a lot of organizations put their recruiters and even their hiring managers through this. And, and we've seen a couple who've done a really nice job of making sure that they, they certify and recertify on an ongoing basis for this piece. Because I think what you're saying, Roy, and I agree with you, is that if we just show it to you once and say, off you go, uh, it doesn't really stick. Yeah. You're not going to memorize it. And we could we could even do um, if you're curious about this, like, holy shit, an hour uh, we could I can give you a five minute elevator pitch on any one of the communities like you name it. And then I can just share a five minute pitch on uh, training Yeah, uh, that'll give you get you 30, 40. I, I want to go through the hour. I want to go through the training. Yeah. OK. All right. Um, pick your community uh, options are neurodivergent. Uh, refugees, uh, blind and low vision. I, I want to go through all of them. <laughs> okay. Jerry wants them all. Uh, okay. All right. Um, I am going to walk you through. Um, you know well, what? Well, not necessarily you? now, well, but let, tell me, tell me how let, I get I to can, do that later on. I will, I'll, I'll take you through. I'll take you through refugees, for example, okay. uh, just because. Or, or honestly, do you think our audience would be most interested in refugees, blind and low vision, or well, uh, neurodivergent? Let, let's do the blind and low vision, because we were talking okay. about that earlier. Yeah. And then if we've got a link, let's share that, and we'll send it out to the watchers and listeners for each of them uh, and talk a little bit about that. But let's hear the, let's hear the pitch on blind, low vision. You got it. I'm going to put it in the private chat so you can share it with everyone. Here's blind and low vision. You can click okay. on it, and you can just toggle to any of the other trainings. All right, I'll drop that in the chat while you're while you're giving us the pitch. Okay. All right, let's start off with. Um, I'm going to try to do this. All right, it's it's four twelve my time here in London. I'm going to try to by the thirty minute mark in the next eighteen minutes, you're going to learn who's considered visually impaired, what are the top three challenges they face, and how do you address them? What are the top three challenges hiring managers face? How do you address them? What are the best practices during the interview, and how do you offer like a fair interview, how to look for skill and potential during the interview. If you don't hire and you still want to help, how can you do that? And what are the best on onboarding best practices? Okay. All right, uh, here goes. Did you know, first of all, who is considered visually impaired, that 285 million people worldwide are visually impaired, among which 40 million are blind? That's about 4% of the world population on 8 billion people. Um, the unemployment rate in the U.S., can you guess roughly what it is? Uh, for ac Yeah, across the board or just for those that are visually impaired? No, across the board. Three to half, four percent, something like that. Yeah. Unemployment rate for the blind is 36 percent. 
So we're talking about six times the national, no, eight, what the, nine times, nine. The, almost 10 times the national average. Um, so there, the 285 million people can be classified into blindness and low vision. Blindness means I cannot see anything. And then low vision means, first of all, it's a spectrum, but, uh, by, but generally speaking, its sight is extremely limited, but some of it is, you know, usable. Now, um, what are the accessible, uh, what are the tools that I use in order to be able to see? So, um, if the assistive technologies I use, if I'm blind, it's a screen reader. So it, it, it converts uh, digital text into synthesized speech. JAWS and NVDA are the most common ones. So uh, if you've got documents, system tools, uh, check the accessibility on your phone or on your, la on your computer, there is text-to-speech. That is kind of, I would say, uh, more modern than Braille because Braille is just going to be a bit slower uh, than to be able to have someone, you know, convert a visual format into an auditory format through screen readers. For low vision, you've got magnifiers. So the, the magnifiers like uh, Zoom Text, Magic, these would then allow you to, you know, if, if you hit Command plus, 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 plus on your browser, the screen gets larger. Um, those that don't do that and it gets all wonky, that's not an accessible page. They're very easy uh, to to actually get get right because it's uh, the standards are already there uh, to be able to make all your software accessible for the blind or low vision get a screen reader to read it not hard and being able to magnify it you do these two things you've included four percent of the world population where more than a third of them are unemployed all right now that we have a somewhat of a good sense of what are the uh, who's considered visually impaired what are the top challenges they face first of all one is they have a hard time navigating the built environment. Signs, texts are not accessible. Now let's bring this into your office. One thing you can do is just offer assistance with navigation. Um, second is they cannot see digital and electronic surfaces, computer screens, mobile, de mobile devices, or read printed materials. So all you need is just one accessibility uh, expert to come and make sure that printed content is available online. Third is uh, finding jobs is a big challenge for them. And uh -huh. a big part of it is because of the misconceptions. Uh, many companies don't know how to accommodate candidates who are visually impaired or may not be aware of the skills they possess. I'll give you a simple example. If, God forbid, I lost my eyesight tonight and I learn how to use uh, screen readers, by tomorrow would I not be able to do the exact same jobs or give the exact same talk that I'm giving today? I would. Blind people um, can do just about most, the vast majority of jobs, including pro computer programming, uh, including uh, building presentations and working on Excel, and most jobs uh, can be done by blind individuals. Uh, actually, I have a friend who actually plays blind baseball. There's a thing called blind baseball. Mm -hmm. uh, that's a whole other story. So. Uh, how do you address this challenge? Challenge perceptions and assumptions. Be willing to be patient and make the right accommodations for a blind person. Now, what are the top three challenges hiring managers face? We touched upon the first one, which is limited knowledge about what a blind and low vision person can perform. I can assure you, and many of them can assure you that they can do just most jobs inside that people can. So misconception, just myth. Second is knowing how to pro provide the right accommodation. If you go to askjan.org, 
So that's the, it's a free resource called the Job Accommodation Network. Then you'll be able to find the right accommodations that people need. Then third is how do you create accessible documents and communications for people with, uh, with low vision uh, or who are blind? Then it just takes a little extra time to understand what, the, you know, how to format for accessibility. But uh, if you try, for example, Microsoft's built-in accessibility checker uh, in their Office products, you'll have everything you need. All right, now that we've covered the top challenges uh, and you're like, okay, that's not too hard, let's do it. I went on askjan.com, I read through it, I'm good to go. Um, best practices during the interview. So in-person and virtual. So when you're meeting someone in person, identify yourself, speak clearly to the candidate, normal pace and volume. Let the candidate know where you're standing or sitting. If you're going to shake hands, tell them that you're extending your hand. Ask the candidate if they need assistance walking to the interview room. It's okay to yeah. ask. It's actually encouraged to ask. If the interview involves completing anything online, let them know in advance so that they can use their own devices and assistive technologies to go through it. And if they have a service animal, the service animal is working. Leave it, let it be. Um, virtual interviews. Webcam may be part of your process, but be uh, flexible with candidates who are blind and low vision in case the webcam is not on or if they're not centered on the screen. Just tell them it, turn it a little bit and I'll be all right. Um, if the interviewer is on camera, um, just give a, be inclusive and provide an image description of yourself. And as you're sharing slides and content, try to voice over. So describe what you're seeing in real time. Just like right now, I'm opening the jobsforhumanity.com website, went to the training and then clicked on blind. And in here, I'm looking at a video with the text that that's basically narrating what I'm telling you. Um, which is interesting because you may not have had this picture in your mind before I told you that, I, that I'm reading something and I'm narrating this to you because you're just seeing me. You're kind of blind to what I'm seeing, right? So the description, as much as it's helped you, when someone can't see permanently, then that's very, very helpful. It just brings a lot of color to everything. Now, when you are interviewing them and you want to look for skill and potential, how do you do that? First things first, don't focus too much on the visual elements of a resume. Content is more important. Screen readers won't always catch spelling mistakes. So it's it's okay if someone misspells uh, a word like, for example, uh, decorative, the right decorative, surprise, surprise. That's all right. Um, there are minor errors that could be connected with feedback. Don't hold it against the candidate. And then just listen to the skills that they bring, the soft skills when you're talking about you know, tenacity, the ability to persevere. Uh, you can ask a bit, some examples, and then you'll be stunned by what you hear. And if that's really important for you, that's pivotal. Uh, you'll, you'll see these skills. If you want timeliness, the ability to collaborate with people the, uh, in a team, ask about these, these things and you'll get a sense of their potential and their skill and how that complements what you're looking for. But Roy, <clears throat> Roy, let me jump in and ask you, like these are, be a good human tips, but they're also yeah. some of the most basic things that you would tell a recruiter who's conducting an interview or a hiring manager who's bringing somebody in for the first time. So why do you think in the, in the work and research you're doing this, why the gap here? Like, why do we think that these get missed? Uh, certainly on the front with help, you know, helping people with special needs or abilities. Like what, what why such a large gap? Why 10 times the unemployment rate for, for folks who might be sight impaired? 
Uh, mm, two reasons. It seems extreme to me. It seems super extreme. It is. It is extreme. Uh, two reasons. I'm going to give you the employer perspective and then I'll give you the candidate perspective to the best of my knowledge. Keep in mind, I'm always learning. Like tomorrow, I'm actually going to be spending an hour with uh, an accessibility coach uh, and a career coach who is blind to go over all the content and then see if anything we, we can improve any, on anything and then keep on building it just to build our knowledge. This proactivity, this proactiveness that I'm showing is the opposite of that is the biggest culprit. The mm -hmm. biggest gap is because I'm afraid to take a chance. I'm afraid to be wrong. And when you're talking to someone who um, has such a high unemployment rate, and as you can imagine, it's probably an 80, 85% underemployment rate, then take a chance. That'll be super, super, super welcome. They don't often get people who give them a chance. So if you are listening to this, uh, realize that Inactivity is the biggest reason from your from your side, because all the training is ju I just shared it and uh, peer reviewed by uh, the uh, head of uh, learning and uh, learning and accessibility at Spectrum, seventy thousand employee company. Mm -hmm. uh, thank you, Jerry, uh, through your through uh, uh, Jen. Uh, Tracy, uh, she's introduced me to Stacy, and then also through uh, the career coach that I'm going to meet tomorrow because he saw the content and told me just about right. So that's all you need. And then on the other side, from a candidate's perspective, and this also goes across all communities, not just the blind. Um, what I'm saying uh, is, uh, oftentimes, it's when when someone doesn't extend a hand to you, you you're probably going to try and try and then stop. At some point, you're going to stop. At some point, you're mm. going to fall behind. At some point, you're going to be with your own group and the rest of the world is going to be foreign and, and far from you because they never learned your language. They never learned to open up to you and then they're afraid to do that. And then you have this invisible wall. For the, 4 the, of the, the, the tribalism sort of kicks in. Yeah, well, and then yeah. We end up sticking with people who are more like us than that are not like us. Well, I will also, yeah. also add to the fact that we don't train recruiters around this. There's yeah. very few companies that do. And, and as you pointed out, Chris, uh, sometimes it doesn't stick if you just went through it and didn't actually experience doing it. So, so one, of the, one of the key issues, and I did some research years ago in terms of where exactly what Roy just talked about, how accessible that information was as a masterclass. And fundamentally, it does not exist in the United States other than uh, there's a few folks who can do this. But by and large, it costs significant amount of money. So it's a big training cost. I think I think a series of master classes on the different types of disabilities and how mm -hmm. to interview them more effectively and then certifying, if you will, um, recruiters that they they get a little certificate that they now learn something. Uh, would give them a sense of uh, uh, power in terms I, of that. I agree with you, but I'm going to push back a little bit and say that I think if we if we can hit recruiters all day long, but unless they're in an organization where the recruiter gets to make the hiring decision, it comes back to the hiring managers. And if we don't train the hiring managers in the business units on how to how to care for even the baseline accommodations, right, the most entry of, of accommodations, or I think what is, and Roy, I'm going to go out on a limb here because I, I haven't done a lot of homework here, but 
the the concern or fear that productivity will be an issue or cost will be an issue for accommodations. If we don't tackle that, I think we can train recruiters until we're blue in the face and it's not well, going to make there's, there's a lot of variables, Chris, and all of them are critical and important. So there's nothing, what you're saying, I agree with 100%, but in part, the choke point starts with the recruiter who is uncomfortable going to a hiring manager. So if the recruiter had more not only information, confidence, et cetera, and a willingness to step up, we might start moving it, in the right direction. But it's, yes. chicken, it's chicken and egg. I, think. I know it's chicken and egg. <laughs> I know uh, my, my favorite story is about, uh, about 10, 12 years ago, I did, a, uh, I did a panel with about five panelists on disability issues related to this. And one of them uh, from Walmart was the head of uh, one of the recruiting teams, and he was blind, totally blind. And we okay. decided to punk the audience of, of several hundred recruiters because he gave me the slides first. He was the first of the panelists to give me the slides that he needed. So, so he also had a little box where little things came up so he could read them as Braille. And he, he memorized, but he also wrote an entire speech around what he would talk about with respect to the slides. So I told him, I gave him a, a clue as to when I was putting his slides up and when I was changing them. So he looked at the, he looked at the screen and then read from this box that he was hiding and in an incredibly articulate way, gave a tremendous presentation about aspects related to blind <laughs> from a recruiter mm -hmm. point of view. And then and the audience was totally clueless. And finally, you know, he he mentioned, oh, and by the way, I'm totally blind. So, and uh, and the audience, you can hear them gasping in, in the room. So, you know, I, we there's we need different ways, obviously, to be able to overcome a number of these obstacles. But um, I'm blown away, Roy, that you're doing mm -hmm. this kind of work, not just uh, creating a job board for this, but also engaging recruiters in terms of upskilling their capabilities to obviously deal with this. And, and I think um, I've got a bunch of ideas around that, but uh, I'll, I'll, um, I'll uh, send you on. some notes. I'm going to send you some notes, yeah. Roy. I mean, this is, this is at this point, my life's work. That's all I'm doing. Um, I, I launched one of those trainings. The last one we did was with booking.com. Booking.com's uh, big shout out to Joe Liedenboer, um, who, 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 who told her team, all right, uh, 21 recruiters joined, got the training, it was specifically for refugees. They really cared about uh, helping Ukrainian refugees find work. So we paired them each with, so we gave them a training, one hour training uh, on how to hire refugees. And the nuances are slightly different. Okay. Um, it's not about you know blindness and low vision, but it is about, uh, I think that this person is lesser, lesser than because I have a stigma there because their English is probably not as good as mine. I look at the resumes for, formatted differently, so I'm gonna think lesser of them. The certifications I don't recognize. They don't have a network. Uh, I'm not sure about the legality of being able to hire them. Sure. These are the things that trip you and they're not hard to fix. So once you get past that, and it's not that hard, and besides that for on, from an onboarding standpoint for a refugee, don't do anything outside of offer them if they want some culture and English lessons from like, you know, outside, but like, don't make them stick out like a sore thumb, like they're a refugee because they never asked to be a refugee. They were, you know, Kareem living in this or, you know, 
Senya living in Ukraine. And now they are in this place with that label. They don't want that label. They never ask for that label. They just want a job and treat it like everybody else. And then uh, maybe some help with, with English language because they really, they had, they had to adjust very quickly, but that's that easy. But then you can only really understand your biases when you're automatically paired with a job seeker. So they repair them to job seekers in their field of work, in their, mm -hmm. one in their city, the other one in Ukraine. Lo and behold, six weeks later, when we checked in for you know the second time, see how, how, how things were going, out of the 42 refugees, 10 of them found jobs, another 20 got interviews. Recruiters celebrated, like you can imagine the cohesiveness within that team. They started to love their job again. Um, and then it, it changed so many lives. And then we asked the, the, the job seekers, how many dependents on average? It was like one and a half per. So changed the lives of you know, 40, 50 people in one cohort over six weeks. So this is something that we're doing every month now. And Roy, let me ask you, if I, regardless of which side I'm on, if I'm on the recruiter side or the candidate side, and I want to be part of that sort of reverse recruiting, sort of that, that initiative that you've got going on, how, how do I get into play? How do I get to participate? Just contact us on go to jobsforhumanity.com. They contact at jobsforhumanity.com. Let us know. Uh, any job seeker who applies, we ask them if they're interested in uh, in being in re being coached. So we have you know a long list. We obviously have a lot more job seekers. Actually, I was thinking of seventy thousand. We're closing in on a hundred thousand by the end of this year, and then then recruiters. So specifically for recruiters, if you're interested, you know, if you feel like you don't, you're not enjoy diversity and inclusion, and that's an important topic, but you don't feel like you've got the skills yet, we can upskill you and and, 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 and and pair you, and then you'll learn those skills within five, six weeks, you'd be in a, in a much stronger shape and you would have literally changed lives. Well, and is there is there a cost associated with this for the employee? How does this work? Uh, you know, so, so far, if, if I, yeah. I get involved, budget? That is so far, so far, what we've done so far, we wanted to prove that it works. And we, so we've, we've done it so far for free. Uh, but now that we're doing it on a monthly basis, I'm going to hire someone full time to do that. And I'm going to start paying the trainers rather than tell them, like, could you help? Like, I want to give him, you know, 80 bucks for the training uh, or a hundred dollars. So like not, not very expensive, uh, honestly, and an exceptional people. So we'll, we'll start putting on a charge to it. We haven't fully uh, digested what exactly that would be, but uh reach out to us and we're going to have one cohort after another. And then if an employer wants to come and sponsor this, then you'd be better off for it. All right. I love it. I love it. Roy, let me ask you uh, as we, as we wrap up here, right. And we've got, it's the jobs for humanity, jobs for humanity.com. Uh, much easier to say than recruiters, recruiting recruiters, which now I never fumble <laughs> on by the way, but jobs for humanity.com. We've got some other links we've put in the live chat. That'll be in the transcripts. They can check them out. Uh, but but let me ask, Roy, I ask everybody this before before we say goodbye and depart on the show. If you were going to write a book about this topic, about the work that you're doing today, Roy, what would you title the book? Wow. Um, that's a great question. Um, this humanity because we're 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 in it for this reason it's not about changing too many people's lives it's about changing yourself and being the best person you can be being more human rather than too process driven and then take a step back be more human upskill yourself so that you can be the better best version of yourself that you can be and you're literally looking at a person like a human and uh and giving them a better humanity so i'll probably call it humanity
I love that. Roy, who gets the first signed copy? <laughs> uh, you get the second. Jerry gets the first. Jerry's my <laughs> Jerome. There Jerome, are people more Jerome, the Jerome's up there. Jerome Turnick. Jerome Turnick's my my mentor. Uh, he gets there. He gets. He gets. Oh, wait, I just love Jerome. Jerome's that's the guy that every time I walk away from talking to him, I just feel better about the planet. He's just he's just that guy. Yeah, Jerome yeah. is. Uh, I was. I soaked every minute of him managing me and I just try to emulate him and any, any chance I get. So if, uh, if, if, if I, if I show any kind of like, you know, leadership and inspiration, uh, I've got, a, I've got a, I'm standing on the shoulders of a giant. Good stuff, man. I love it. I love having you on. We got to have you on more often because it's just fun to catch <laughs> up with you. And granted, you weren't in a you know food shack in the in you know some other country somewhere in the, the middle of a jungle, but uh, <laughs> it, it was nice to catch up with you in London. Thank you, Chris. So good to see you, man. Good stuff. Hang out for a little bit. Don't go anywhere. I'm gonna put you in the green room. And Roy, again, thank you so much for your time. Thanks. Such gratitude. Appreciate Jesus. it. All right. So hang out in there. I just want to share a couple of things really quickly. Uh, that we've got coming up in the future. Obviously, you can see this. We've got uh, wrapped up with. We've got an internal mobility recruiting meeting that's coming up for our members. Uh, uh, we have a solutions spotlight uh, with our dear friend Chris uh, Chris Foreman, who's over at AppCast. Obviously, coming up November third. Uh, if you're in love, that's right. The book club is back. Uh, you, you can check that out. We're wrapping up. Uh, the book with Ingenuity, uh, My Life in Full, uh, fantastic read. I think you can also get it on Audible if you're if you're wanting to read it that way and subscribe to it that way. You can do that. We've got a workshop coming up uh, with Jason Lauritsen, whom we're a big fan of. That's November 10th. Uh, and then up next on the podcast is Equity Equitable. Uh, and we're super excited about that. We've got Rob and Catherine coming up, and that'll be on November 15th. Uh, if you are not already aware, it's cxr.works. If you want to see what we've got ahead, it's cxr.works events. And if you want to catch more of these podcasts, show and see what's ahead. I know this is going to shock you. It's cxr.works podcast. And until then, we'll see you next time, folks. Hang in there. See you online. Thanks for listening to the CXR channel. Please subscribe to CXR on your favorite podcast resource and leave us a review while you're at it. Learn more about CXR at our website, cxr.works, facebook.com and twitter.com slash career crossroads and on Instagram at career X roads. We'll catch you next time.